Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Content warning. Please be advised, today's episode deals with horrors stemming from gender dysphoria. If that isn't for you, feel free to skip out on this episode and join us for our next dark tale next week. This episode has been sponsored by our Getting Started Writing Short Horror Stories mini course, a short week-long course where we guide you through the entire process of writing a short horror story from beginning to end. Recent student Steph Gibson said, I didn't think it was possible for me to finish and polish a story in a week, but I did it. I can say without a doubt that I came out of this week a better writer. If that sounds like something you'd be up for, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash courses and sign up today. Limited spots are available. Today's episode is Lady Stardust, written by Paul D. Coombs and narrated by Jasmine Arch. It started with something small. The purchase of a bottle of milk. Clutching the bottle close to her flat chest and unsteady on high heels, David leant against the rusted wrought iron gate to the cemetery and pushed. The gate creaked open. A shiver travelled up her spine. Something pulled at her. It made her new. Handbag hung over her shoulder. David entered. Delicate as a whisper, shimmering stardust drifted over the cold, damp ground to greet her. 
quivering in the wintry dark of the silent cemetery, she remembered buying the milk. The visit to the store merely a test, a small step toward acceptance. A failure. Features and stubble insufficiently hidden, the female shop assistant had been startled by David's thickly applied black mascara, cakey foundation and concealer. David had left the store to the sound of tight-lipped sniggers, dysphoria so amplified she headed straight for the cemetery, happier to share herself with the dead. So fearful was she of the living. David waded deep into the darkness, deep into the silence, and deep into the stardust, the swirling, silvery, sparkling trail floating feather light above the ground. Wandering between rusted urns, leaning columns and battered headstones, she wondered if she was dreaming. No birds, no scurrying things, no snap of twig, no wind to sway the branches of the birch trees. Only the straining silence and the stardust. Stood on a high plinth, a sad-faced stone angel cast her marble gaze on a black-frosted grassy grave. Drawing back the hem of her dress and trembling on bended knees, David read the epitaph set in the tombstone. Here lies our beloved daughter, Adolpha Black, aged nine. In bloom of life snatched from hence, she had not hoped to make defence, for tiger fierce took life away, and here she lies in bed of clay. cry, piercing and pained, rippled through the infinite ladder of silence. Dizzy with fear, David got to her feet and ran, stumbling over uneven ground, milk bottle clasped to her chest as if a newborn baby. Creeping between matchstick-thin trees, fevered eyes followed her. At first, David thought it was someone's pet, a large dog on the loose. Frantically looking over her shoulder, she glanced backwards to see its sleek, burnt orange fur and lustrous teeth. She emerged, floundering and gasping onto the path that ran through the centre of the cemetery. Heart hammering, she stopped to catch her breath, but there were other breaths beside hers. A sudden shove in the back. Milk bottle slipped from her grasp. An explosion at her feet. Weed-fringed path coated white with milk. Propelled by a second push, she fell forward onto all fours, hands and knees scraping over slimy stone and jagged glass. Look at it! they jeered, eyes burning with hatred. Has it got a name? Freak, replied a girl, hard and mean. A hooded boy, perhaps twelve years of age, stood beside David his face eerily lit by the phone he pointed, filming her. His grin, like a fox and twice as mean, seemed familiar. Behind him, six other kids, shadowed faces stretched wide with cruel contempt, stared down at her. They laughed, their derisory snorts crackling through the cold darkness like lashes of a whip. Ashamed, David held her handbag up as if some kind of defensive shield. She rubbed at her knees, scored with fresh scarlet scratches. A heel had snapped cleanly off one shoe. 
Still filming, the boy leaned over her as she deposited both shoes in her bag, the humiliation all-consuming. Pervert, he spat, grabbing her hair in his fist. David's wig came away in the boy's hand. Triumphant, he held it aloft as if a prize. This time, their screeches and howls toured like flames through the silence, through the night, through David's heart. The boy placed the wig on his own hooded head to further raucous guffawed hilarity. Then he threw it into the air to be swallowed by the darkness. Turning, face contorted, distorted, the boy cupped David's chin in his hand, blunt fingertips digging into her cheeks. Eyes like ice, he pouted to let stringy drool slide from his mouth where it hung suspended forever, spinning and glistening. David's insides quivered. The slippery phlegm splattered into her face. David stifled a sob, rubbing her face on her arm, smearing her makeup. Ugly, said the boy. The boy bent over and pushed David's head, face down, to the pavement. Lick, he commanded. Staring into the thin, grey, pooled milk settled on the crooked paving, she was determined not to cry. She would not. Never. Too much. She cried. Agitated by her sobs, the boy pressed down harder. Lick it up, freak! David's dress rode up over her thighs. Embarrassed, she tried to pull it down. More laughter. She tried to push up, but the boy pushed down harder still, pressing her face into the wet, cold concrete. You're hurting me, she gasped through gritty, milk-stained lips. The boy lowered his head. I can help, he whispered, twirling the blade slowly over in his hand. Help relieve you of something? David's gut twisted, swept in with the stardust. A low, rumbling noise reverberated. David and the boy turned to look deep into the cemetery. Soft-fired amber eyes stared back at them from the dead blackness. The boy raised the trembling knife to point at the new arrival. Taking a chance, he cast a quick look for the other kids, but they had disappeared. Pushing through the shadows, a furry face of flame and coal. A tiger. Teeth bared, the tiger wound its long feline body around the old gravestones and slunk toward David and the boy. The secretive assassin surged forward, leaving the stone markers of the dead behind until nothing remained between it and David but time. David swallowed hard, her heart pounding as if it contained a thousand lives battering to be freed. The graveyard lurched. Rushing footsteps fell from the sky and out of the deep darkness emerged a man, his face opaque, the colour of the new moon, long black hair swept to one side. In one hand, he held a black top hat, in the other, a gun. The tiger hesitated. The man pulled at his high and white, upstanding collar, a burgundy cravat at its centre, rumpled and loose. 
he looked uneasily at the tiger. Where is she? said the man, raising the gun and pointing it at the tiger. The tiger snarled. Get lost, said the boy to the man, but his voice drifted, coming after the mouthing of the words. His friends laughed, but they weren't there. David and the boy exchanged a glance, the same terror writ in their eyes. The boy clutched his distorted face as if checking he was still there. Scared, he lunged, swiping at the man with intent to injure, but the blade cut through without making contact. The boy, wide-eyed and skin-flushed crimson, looked from the man to the tiger and to David. But his confidence seemed drained, his pallor ghost-like. He dropped the knife and was running before it hit the ground, darkness devouring him almost at once. The man fired the gun at the tiger, the night rippling with the distant sound of explosion. David saw the bullet pushing at the air, time's cool amber making it slow. Without thinking, she found herself on her feet, reaching out and taking the bullet in her hand. The tiger bolted, sprung into the darkness of another world, another time. Are you a ghost? asked the man. Stance set to run. David looked around and then pointed at her chest. Me? The man gulped, staring at her clasped hand, the bullet held within. How did you do that? Lost for words, David shook her head. From the gloom, on a dirt track where moments before there had been graves, a horse-drawn cart trundled toward them. Get to bed, Jack, hollered the coachman from his exposed seat. It's no good looking for her at this time of night. Get yourself some rest. Jack wiped his mouth. I won't rest till I've found my girl, Henry. Never. He waved the coachman off and the cart disappeared into dust before it should have been out of sight. Have you seen my daughter? Jack asked David. About so I, he said, holding his gun horizontal to his chest. Curly brown hair, pretty, beautiful. Nine years of age, answers to the name Adolfa. The name speared David's heart. Adolfa Black, she said dreamily, remembering the inscription she'd seen on the gravestone. The fires in her mind raged wildly. The pavement was no longer square concrete flags but row upon row of smooth cobblestone. The boy's knife lay there. She picked up the weapon. Closing the blade into the heavy-weighted handle, she noticed a name emblazoned on its side. David. Impossible realization rushed up on her, one that scorched her insides. Of course the boy had been familiar. The boy was her. You see my girl, said Jack earnestly. Adolfo's been gone a while, missing. I won't give up searching, never. In the blurred blackness, something stirred. A shape in the dark. It spoke. Help me, it said. Voice small and afraid. I don't want no trouble. Jack pleaded with David, 
Just tell me if you've seen her or not. Free-flowing tears streamed down Jack's face, his lips pursed tight, eyes pinched shut. I just want my girl back, it's all. The night wrapped its cloak tighter around David, and her every movement felt as if she pulled the moon, the stars, and the heavens with her. Finding her breath and filling her lungs, David found the strength to move. She turned from Jack to face the figure at the edge. Who are you? she called, holding out her hand as if she might haul it in. Please, miss, said Jack behind her. No games. David's heartbeat stuttered. Miss? Of course, said Jack. Though you be quite ghostly, I still maintain my manners. Stone cracked and earth heaved. Suddenly, the figure was no longer on the periphery. It stood next to her. Help me find my father, it said. Nothing more than a child. A girl with long curled hair and aching brown eyes, wide open in the dark. She stared up at David. Please? Are you all right, miss? Jack inquired. Something strange in the air tonight. I'll take my leave. I suggest you get yourself home, wherever it may be. Jack turned away. Wait, called David. She saw two Jacks, one leaving and one frozen still. Wait, David urged again. The leaving Jack halted. Can't you see her? she asked. Your daughter is here. The tiger didn't kill her. Adolpha, she's alive. No games, I said, miss, said the leaving Jack. You are alone. The young girl squeezed David's hand, real flesh and warm blood. Who are you talking to? Is it him? Is it my father? David nodded, tears streaking down her face. She's here, Jack. Can't you see her? Open your eyes. See. Father, begged the girl, looking all round, tears staining her cherub cheeks. Where are you? The leaving Jack spun around, head cocked to one side, listening. I hear her, he exclaimed suddenly. I hear her, Adolpha! Jack started back toward them and toward the other Jack, but with each step he and his other self seemed to fade, all light and life retreating as if slipping into another time. I can see her, he exclaimed, his voice is many and blurred. My, My Adolpha! Distorted by light and dark in equal measure, Jack plunged his outstretched arm through David to reach for his daughter, his physical form changing shape until it disintegrated into bright stardust and finally an implosion to nothing. The steel wind that may have been nothing more than silence hit David again. The earth shuddered beneath her feet so that, spinning, she fell, sprawled on the path, no longer cobblestones but concrete paving once more. David drew herself to her knees, and looking to the night sky studded with the lights of a billion worlds, she knew she was not alone. A gentle breeze sang in her ears, and with it she detected the sweet woody scent of the birch trees at the edge, 
the occasional rustling of tiny creatures in the long grass and hedgerows melded with the low hum of distant traffic. The silence was over. In the distance, they saw the steady shimmer of streetlights. Barefoot, with the knife that bore her name in one hand and the bullet in the other, David searched for Adolfa's grave. Upon finding it, her mind cleared and her heart became filled with gladness. It read, Here lies Adolfa Black, dearest mother and grandmother, aged 74. An angel visited and held her hand. In bloom of life she helped her stand. She lived in hope and forgotten never. She loved and now she lives forever. The knife suddenly scorched the skin on her hand and she flung it, clanking against the nearby gravestone. Her heartbeat quickened and something in the air snapped. A great pressure releasing as if a storm had passed. David approached the gravestone and bent down to collect the knife. Holding back tears, happy tears, she reached for the knife. She knew what she would see and indeed there it was emblazoned on the dewy wet silver handle, her real name, Davina. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Lady Stardust was written by Paul D. Coombs, narrated by Jasmine Arch, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Blair Moon and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course to Ben Errington for blasting everybody with his social media gamma rays and turning us all into hulking green content monsters forward slash superheroes. Paul D. Coombs is a writer of stories mired in the strange, the gothic and the dark. He lives in the sepulchral northwest of England and can be found or lost on Twitter at Coombsy101010. Discover more about Paul, his published stories, and what he's currently working on at pauldcoombs.com. Jasmine Arch is a writer, poet, narrator, podcaster, and all around chaos of brains. She lives in a nook of Belgian countryside with two horses, four dogs, and a husband who knows better than to distract her when she's writing. Her work has appeared or is forthcoming in the other stories newmyths.com and hybrid fiction among others you can find out more about her and her work at jasminearch.com enjoying this podcast are you then why not join our army of supporters over on patreon we'll give you monthly bonus episodes q a episodes access to the hawk and cleaver discord server and we'll stitch you into our skin lest you get away it's fun in the skin the skin is home the skin is good the skin is comfy join us at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver the other stories is a production of the story studio hawk and cleaver and is brought to you with a creative commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license that means don't change it don't sell it but by all means share the hell out of it so until next time